Well, we're continuing this Swipe Righteous series, talking about dating and relationships and sex and important things like that. And I want to talk about uh, tonight what you should look for in a man if you're a single lady. And when I say single lady, I'm talking to anyone who is not married yet. So if you have a boyfriend, if you're engaged, in my mind, it's not too late. You can still break up with that fool. And so you're still single. No, maybe he's all right. But you'll find out by the end of this message if you should marry that guy or not. A lot of people don't know this, but Amy and I dated for a little while when we were younger. I was 19. She was 18. We had this sweet little relationship. And we actually went on this trip to Six Flags together with a group of people. So we're on this bus going to Six Flags. We're holding hands. And we're talking about life. And I told her, I said, Amy, I think I'm going to go into the Army. I want to become an Army officer. And she was like, hmm, hmm, okay. The thing is, Amy knew when she was a little girl that God had called her to do ministry to children. And she knew that she wanted to marry a pastor. When a girl knows what she wants. So I told her, I'm going into the military. And she said, okay, okay, well, that's not going to work for me. So this relationship's over. I mean, no tears shed, total confidence, cool customer. She just broke up with me and went off to ride roller coasters. And I was like, dang, girl, that's savage. Like, aren't you even a little sad? But the thing is, you know, she didn't support the troops. No, I'm just kidding. She knew what she wanted. She knew what she wanted, and she was willing to wait for us. And the thing is, now that I look back on that time, because I love my wife, I'm glad she broke up with me, because I wasn't ready for her. I would have led her into pain, and I had to go and be broken before God and surrender my life to Jesus. And God did an amazing thing in my life. And then lo and behold, five years went by. And I told Amy, I messaged her on Facebook. Watch out for that. When the guy messages you on Facebook, he, he's up to something. You know, don't let him slip into your DMs. You know, you got to watch. What, what are you up to? And so I said, you know, I feel like God's calling me into ministry and I'm coming back to Arizona to become a pastor. And she said, I see you now. Okay. Okay. He's back. And then apparently it was on. We got together and the rest was history. But I'm glad that she knew what she wanted and she was willing to wait for it. And I'm not afraid to speak on her behalf and say it was worth the wait. Right? Right, babe? It was worth most days. She says it was worth the wait. So I want to make sure that all the ladies in our church know what to look for in a man. And so maybe um, you're a single lady and you've been looking for a husband. Maybe you have a daughter, a granddaughter, a sister, a friend who is single or single again, and she's on the market. This is a message for those people. And so after this weekend, you can send them a link to our YouTube channel and just send them a link to this message. Like, hey, girl, I was thinking of you. <laughs> this message is for you. And for all the guys in our church, this is gonna be a challenging message. It'll give you an opportunity to evaluate yourself and see where you stand in terms of becoming a godly man. We want to help women figure out what to look for. So the title of this message is, What a Man. What a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. That's what every girl wants. A mighty good man. So this one's for the single ladies, okay? Next week, we're going to talk about what to look for in a woman. And the week after that, we'll talk about what to do when you're dating, because Christians have a lot of weird ideas about that. So we'll have to come to that as, eventually as well. But a survey recently asked women, what do you look for in a, ma a man? And the answers weren't surprising. They said things like, I want a guy who's dependable and romantic 
and confident, a guy who has a sense of humor, maybe a guy who's attractive, um, maybe just a job. That's it. You know, just like as long as he has a job, that's all I really care about. Uh, But one thing that really kills me as a pastor, it kills my heart, is when I see a woman marrying or dating a guy, getting serious with a guy who's not going to be good for her, a guy she shouldn't be with. And I I think it's because sometimes we just don't know. We don't know better. And maybe no one's told us. And so I think the church needs to teach what to look for. Because it's important. It's one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. The most important decision you'll ever make is, will you accept or reject Jesus Christ? The second most important decision you'll ever make is who you marry if you get married. Because that person will play such an important role in your life and influence the course of your life. So we have to think properly. Ephesians 4.21 says this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit, that's the spirit of God, renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So our old nature has been corrupted. Our sinful nature is corrupted by lust, by deception, things like that. And the world we live in is corrupted by sin. And so the things that the world teaches you to look for in a man, ladies, not necessarily the right things. Like maybe you learned about what a guy should be like based on what McDreamy did, you know, like sleeping with girls at the hospital. Maybe you learned about guys from watching Scandal and President Fitzgerald Grant, the adulterous liar. Or maybe you learned about relationships by watching the televised dumpster fire I like to call The Bachelor. Or The Bachelorette, whatever one suits your needs. Some girls grew up in a household where there was no stable father figure, maybe an absent father or an abusive father, and that led some people to just think, well, anyone will do, anyone who's dependable, who's nice to me. Because of our sinful nature, we have been deceived because of sin about what's really important. And so we have to set the record straight first and foremost. This deception no longer needs to confuse you because what we read is that you have learned about Jesus and the truth that comes from him. Once you met Jesus, he enables you to put on your new nature. He enables you to be renewed in your thoughts and attitudes towards men and relationships. And so you can learn this truth that your identity is not determined by the man in your life, ladies. It's not. Your identity is not based on which guy bought you dinner and gives you attention. It's based on the guy who bought your salvation and gave you eternal life, Jesus. So you don't need a man to validate you. You're a daughter of God and our royalty through Jesus Christ. You need to value yourself. You don't have to choose a man out of insecurity, but you can make a decision based from a place of security, not out of desperation, but out of your salvation, knowing you've already been chosen by the King of Kings. So you don't need a guy to complete you. You've been made complete already by Jesus. Live that way. Live that way knowing you're made complete. He's your friend and he loves you. One thing Christians need to stop doing is treating single people like they're incomplete. Churches have a real bad habit of this and Christians do too. It's because we value marriage. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to value marriage. But we should not go around treating single people like they're second class citizens. 
Like we do that in churches. Like, like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a husband? Like, oh no, I'm, I'm single. Oh, bless your heart. I'll pray for you, sweetie. Don't you worry. God has not forsaken you. It's like, she doesn't have cancer. She's just single. In fact, the apostle Paul said, I wish you all were single because then you could focus your efforts on building the kingdom of God. But he said, go ahead and get married if you must. The kingdom of God is important. That's why sometimes being single can be a blessing because you can invest more of your time and energy into serving Jesus. And the kingdom of God lasts forever. All marriages will eventually end. If you read the Bible, you'll see that. But the kingdom of God never ends. So that's a great investment of time. Don't treat single people like they're incomplete. Uh, as Christians, we need to make sure that we're not trying to push people into their next life stage. Like when people are single, well, when are you gonna date someone? And then when they date someone, we're like, well, when are you gonna get married? And then when they get married, when are you gonna have kids? And then they finally have kids, when are you gonna have more kids? Can you just let me be, please? Stop pushing me. We need to not push each other, but encourage each other and support each other as we decide to take those next steps. So I say all that. It's okay to want a husband, ladies, and to desire romance. Those can be good things as long as you choose a righteous man of God. You need to swipe righteous, not just swiping right. Swipe righteous. So when we talk about what to look for in a man, it's not most important that he's good looking. It's not most important that he has a certain type of personality. Different personality types are okay. Um, it's not most important how he uh, dresses, what kind of job he has, although attraction is important. Having an income is a good thing. What's so important for all the single ladies who hear this message is that you choose a righteous man. You need to choose a righteous man of God. It's so critical because when you choose a husband, you're choosing the man who will lead your family and lead you. A husband is the leader of his family. And that's what the Bible says, Ephesians 5.22 says this, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so I read you that verse so you'll understand how serious the stakes are. You want to choose a husband who will lead you well. And some people, they read this passage and they think, well, women shouldn't have to submit to their husbands. And, and, and that's a worldly way of thinking because when you understand what God teaches, you realize that authority in your life is there to bless you and protect you. So this passage does not make women inferior to men. That's the opposite is, is true. In fact, that's why he says to husbands, you need to love your wives like Christ loved the church, willing to give up your life for her. Like you lay your life down for her. If the Titanic is going down, she gets in the lifeboat. You float off into frozenness. Okay, like, like some guys won't even give up the remote for their wife. You need to be willing to give up your life for her. Okay, that's sacrificial love. So ladies, when you're choosing a husband, ask yourself, is this a man I can trust to lead me well? Will he love me sacrificially? Or is he gonna lead me into pain? If he's not willing to sacrifice his preferences for you, he probably won't be willing to sacrifice his life for you either. You gotta ask this up front. And I know that there's a lot of ladies who they start dating a guy who doesn't really love the Lord and you're taking a huge risk. You're risking a lot. And I've seen it work out well sometimes. I've seen girls, they start dating a guy and he starts coming to church and then he's like, I like Jesus too. 
I love it when that happens, but it doesn't always happen. So you wanna make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into. I don't want you to take that kind of risk. You need to choose carefully. If you decide to date, and you don't have to, but if you decide to look for a husband, you need to choose a man of God. And I wanna speak to any single lady who's here today. If you're feeling discouraged, you're like, I'm looking for a man of God. Where's he at? I've been looking. One, there's some guys in this room you could date and marry if you really were looking for one. Um, some of the guys are here like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like, but, but trust this. Trust that God is good and he has a plan for your life and at the right time, he's gonna bring the right person into your life. He loves you. Don't rush God's timing. His ways are perfect. So here's the verse I wanna read to you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to this passage and just kind of hang out there. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 says this. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Okay, so this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, who is the senior pastor of the church in Ephesus. He was a young guy and a senior pastor. Paul was like his spiritual father, and he was speaking to him like a mentor. And he's encouraging him as a man of God to live a certain way. And I think that's important. We pay attention to what he says, because I think every single lady is looking for a man of God. Anyone who's looking for a husband is looking for a man. Whether she even realizes it or not, she's looking for a man of God. Because the thing that women talk about, uh, even secular in the secular world, that they're looking for dependability and loyalty and faithfulness and kindness, those are traits of a man of God. She might not even realize that's what she's looking for, but that's what she's looking for. So let's talk about what a man of God looks like and, and all the men who want to be men of God. Pay attention to this because this will help you. First, a man of God pursues righteousness. He pursues righteousness and a godly life. He doesn't have to be a perfect man, but he should be a pursuing man. Pursuing righteousness. The word pursuit in the original language in Greek, it means to run swiftly after, to press on with aggression towards righteousness. It requires effort. It requires motivation. It requires a plan. You don't pursue righteousness on accident. You meet guys sometimes who they have no plan for their life. And that really is concerning to me. That's a major warning sign if you meet a guy who has no plan. Like, what are you going to do with your life? What's, what's the plan? I don't really have a plan. I'm just taking one day at a time, trying to find myself. If he's trying to find himself, he is not ready to find a wife. I can tell you that right now. Like, hey, bro, what's your plan for your spiritual growth? Like, how are you going to grow in your relationship with God? What's the plan? Oh, you know, I just kind of live in the moment, and I'm just a kite caught up in a hurricane of God's grace. I just go wherever the winds blow. It's like, eh, wrong. I want a guy to say, I'm a fighter jet flying on course after Jesus, propelled by grace, fighting with the power of the Holy Spirit. I've got a plan. I've got a Bible reading plan. I don't find time to pray. I make time to pray. It's a priority in my life. Find a guy who is pursuing righteousness and pursuing Jesus with intentionality. Because a man who is just adrift will eventually drift into trouble. If he's not chasing after Jesus, eventually he'll stop chasing after you, ladies. If he doesn't have his eyes on Jesus, eventually those eyes will drift into things that they shouldn't be looking at. You won't find a perfect man. 
but you should look for a pursuing man. So here's what he says. First Timothy chapter six, verse 11. He said, pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith. Faith. In verse 12, he said, fight the good fight for the true faith. A man of God fights for the faith. You want a man in your life whose life revolves around faith in Jesus. A man of God fights for the faith. Put that slide up. That's the second thing, to write this down. Write this down. You want a man whose life revolves around his faith in Jesus. Notice that a man of God is a fighter. He fights for the faith. He might be soft-spoken or outgoing, but either way, he's strong in spirit. And he's a fighter. He's not passive. We cannot afford to have passive men in the church of Jesus Christ. We would change the world if men would just be leaders and stop being passive. Too many men are passive, and when men are passive, it throws God's entire creation order out of whack. Men were designed to be leaders. You're designed to stand up for what's right and speak out for the truth. So many men, they're, they're passive. They'd rather be liked than be faithful. Their motto is, I just don't want to rock the boat. That's the language of a passive man. Because you've got to make some waves to get your boat anywhere. And in a good marriage, you want to rock the boat. If the boats are rocking, don't come a-knocking. That's the motto. <laughs> passive men are not leaders because they refuse to lead. And if a guy does not lead in his relationship, then eventually his wife will start to try to lead him. If you have to lead him now, you're going to have to lead him then. And I know there's some ladies that maybe you don't really understand this, but you're like, oh, that sounds like a good thing, because then I can just tell him to do whatever I want, and he'll do it. But the thing is, that is not a recipe for a happy marriage. I've watched many women try to lead their husbands, and they end up miserable and tired. You were designed for your husband to lead you. And that's what you need to look for, a guy who will actively lead your family, a man who fights for the faith, who's Faith is important in his life. When you meet him, not you start dating and then hope he gets it together. And so here's what it looks like. A guy whose faith is important, a man who fights for the faith. First, Jesus is number one in his life. Jesus is priority. It's not just a pastime. It's his priority. If a guy says, oh, yeah, like I go to church sometimes. No, that's not what I asked you. Who is Jesus to you? Is he your Lord and your Savior? Ladies, that's what you ask him. Is he number one in your life? If he's like, well, I don't know. Like, I like Jesus, but I'm not that into him. Amp, pass, move along. A guy who fights for the faith, he will lead the way to church. He leads your family into church. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, get your shoes on, kids. We're going to church. He doesn't need his wife to drag him to church. He leads the family to church. Ladies, if you have to drag him to church before you're married, he'll still stop going after you get married. You don't want to take that risk. Hard pass. Look for a guy who's already involved in his church. A man of God serves others. Jesus said if you want to be great, you must serve others. Don't you want to marry a great man, ladies? Yeah. Look for a guy who serves other people. There's lots of ways to serve. Maybe he serves on a team at church, maybe in some other way. But if he doesn't serve other people already when you meet him, he might not serve you once you marry him. Here's an important one. A man of God who fights for the faith, he tithes. He brings God the first 10% of his income. Jesus said, where your heart is, your treasure will be also. In other words, there's a connection between your wallet and your heart. If he tells you that Jesus is number one in his life, but he doesn't tithe, ladies, he's a liar. And you don't want to be with a liar. How will you trust him when he tells you, oh, girl, you're number one in my life? 
Talk is cheap, man. Put your money where your mouth is. And parents, by the way, I would not let your daughter date someone who doesn't tithe. I'm praying to have a daughter someday. I think that'd be amazing. When a guy shows up to date her, I'm gonna say, I wanna see your ID, I wanna see your auto insurance, and I wanna see your giving records. Do you tithe? I wanna see the proof. Because if he doesn't take care of the bride of Christ, the church, I don't trust him to take care of his own bride either. It's important, and it's a sign of a guy who prioritizes faith. So Paul said to Timothy, pursue righteousness along with perseverance. Here's the next thing. A man of God perseveres. He perseveres. He's steady. He endures. He's consistent. Amy and I were talking about our dads last week. We were describing our dads, and we both said this. Oh, my dad's steady. He is, he is faithful. He's consistent. And that's one of the things that a man of God does. He's consistent and he is faithful. He perseveres even when it's difficult. And in the world today, when things get hard, our world is so convenient. We have so many conveniences that I think the younger generation especially is more prone than ever to just quitting when things get hard. Young guys, I, I meet a lot of young guys are like, you know, they're just quitting things. What, what happened to that thing you were doing, man? Like, oh, I stopped doing that. Why? Well, you know, I wasn't the best at it. It's like, you just quit everything you're not the best at? And you'll, you'll see the warning signs of this sometimes, but look for a man who does not make excuses, who pushes through even when he faces challenges. Proverbs twenty two thirteen says this, the lazy man is full of excuses. I can't go to work, he says. If I go outside, I might meet a lion in the street and be killed. <laughs> just making crazy excuses. Always got an excuse. Yeah, my boss isn't nice to me. People aren't fair to me. People don't value me and treat me right. I got to quit this job too. This guy has a different job every six months. It's an excuse. When you look at a guy, does he finish what he started more often than not? Because eventually your relationship will face challenges too. And if he quits when things get hard, he might quit on you. Look for a guy who perseveres. Here's the next thing. A man of God is gentle. Paul said to Timothy, pursue righteousness along with gentleness. Gentleness is a trait of a real man of God. Every father of a daughter would give anything to protect his daughter. He says, I will kill you if you mess with my daughter. He'll go to jail for her. I, I, I'm planning to have a daughter, and my plan is this. Every year on her birthday, I'm going to buy myself a firearm. I'm just going to spread it out in my living room. When that guy comes over, I'm just going to bring him in, give him a tour of the collection. I have many ways to deal with you. I'm comfortable going to jail over this. No, I will do anything to protect my, my daughter. And that's the way that God feels about his daughters. He cares for them, and he cherishes them. But too many guys, they don't view women as God's daughters. The world teaches men to view women as trophies. And what do guys do with trophies? Take a picture with it, put it up on the shelf, and go look for another trophy. We need to do, view women as God's daughters. They are precious. It says this in Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. It means I value her like a treasure. So look for a man who's gentle. It's not always easy to tell if a guy is gonna be gentle initially because everyone puts their best behavior on at first, don't they? A guy's not gonna try to smack you on the first date. 
So you gotta watch for the warning signs, the warning signs of a guy who's not gentle. Here's one of my warning signs for you. If he starts to tease you and make you the butt of jokes and become, if he's sarcastic with you all the time, that's a warning sign he might be a mean person. That's a warning sign that he's probably a weak man. And weak men feel the need to belittle other people to make themselves feel bigger. A strong man knows he's strong and he's confident in his own strength. So he can be gentle with other people who are weaker than him and build them up. That's what a strong man does. That's what a man of God does. He builds other people up with his words. Here are some warning signs. Watch out for a guy who's mean to people he doesn't have to be nice to. Like when you go on a date with a guy, if he's mean to your waitress, he's eventually gonna be a jerk to you too. Watch out for a guy who has a temper problem. I know a lot of guys like to joke about their temper, like it's just kind of cute. It's not cute. I, I know, I know. I used to, I used to, I can relate to this. I used to have a temper problem. It's not cute to punch holes in walls. If a guy punches holes in walls, eventually he's gonna take a swing at you too. I, I would at least be worried about that. Why does he feel the need to hit something when he's mad? Here's what Proverbs says, Proverbs 22, verse 24. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. If you marry a guy with a temper problem, your household will be filled with arguments and fights. He'll yell at you and he'll yell at your kids. He might lose his job because he smarts off to his boss. You don't want that kind of trouble in your life. It's unacceptable to be abusive to one of God's daughters in any way, physically, sexually, mentally, or verbally. So, ladies, if a guy is ever abusive towards you, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, that'll never happen again. I'll never do that again. You're right, you'll never do it again because the relationship is over. That's your response. There's no second chances there. So I, I look at caring for my wife, like as a pastor, I look at caring for the church, the bride of Christ. I care about her, I love her, but also I fear God. I love her and I fear God. I fear God too much to abuse his daughter, right? And I think all men need to think about that. We will answer to God for how we treat his daughters. And if you've placed your faith in Jesus, I mean, you're gonna get into heaven. This is not about salvation, but God will judge you for how you treat his daughters and evaluate and reward you based on whether or not you treated his daughter with love and gentleness or abusively. A gentle man will desire to nurture you. This is still a part of being gentle. Being gentle is uh, going to lead you to cultivate and nurture your wife as a man. And that's the kind of husband you want to look for, ladies. The word husband is an agrarian term. So husbandry has to do with raising and cultivating plants. And being a good husband is like being the gardener of a, a beautiful garden. It takes care, it takes time, and it takes effort to develop and cultivate a beautiful garden. So I looked this up in a gardening magazine for you. It says this, rose pruning is not a job to do in a hurry. You need to ponder, step back, and deliberate rather than rushing in with shears. Some guys are, are tempted to rush in with shears and they're just careless as the, in the way that they treat women, maybe trying to fix her or fix her problems. But loving husbandry, it takes care and deliberation and consideration, it takes time and patience. These are all traits of gentleness. A good husband cultivates his wife. That means that she is gonna develop and flourish under his care. She'll become more confident, 
more gracious and more beautiful as time goes on. That's cultivating. It's, it's allowing her to flourish. And, and honestly, if you ask me in my life, what am I most proud of? I'm most proud of this, that my wife is flourishing. That as I've known her and been married to her, she's become, by God's grace, more confident, more beautiful, more gracious, stronger as a leader. Those are signs of flourishing. And I look at that and I think, okay, praise God. I'm not perfect, but she's doing all right. And that's a good thing. That's cultivating your wife. In, in cultivating your wife, it requires you to encourage her and support her. And I also want to point this out. It also requires you to tell her when she's wrong. And I know there's some women here, they're like, what? What? What'd you just say? I was with you until there's just right there. <laughs> there, are, there are some sayings that you'll hear thrown around about marriage. Like one of the sayings is happy wife, happy life. And that's a true saying. I say amen to that. Because when your wife is happy, all of your life gets better. Another saying I hear people throw around is, the woman is always right. That's not true, because <laughs> nobody is always right. The woman is always right is the language of a passive, weak man. Or maybe it's the language of a guy who knows there's no point in trying to tell my wife she's wrong because she won't listen. But either way, that's not going to bless your wife to take on that kind of attitude. We have to be willing to gently correct one another when we're wrong. If you don't correct your wife when she's wrong with gentleness and love and care, then she will not grow. She won't flourish. She won't end up happy and you won't end up happy. This is gentleness. These are the things that a man of God does. He perseveres. He is uh, pursuing righteousness. He fights for faith. He's gentle. And I know some of you ladies, you didn't have a, a father in your life who was a man of God. You didn't have a, maybe an older brother, some of you, who had your back. You don't really know what to look for. You've just been doing your best to figure it out. And I just want to encourage you, and as a brother in Christ, as a pastor, um, point some of these things out to help you. And maybe I'm going to point out some other things that you haven't thought of before, but these are some things that you can look at, some questions you can ask as you evaluate a guy and consider whether or not you want to get into a relationship with this guy. Here are some questions. First, who does he hang out with? Who does he spend his time with? Who are his friends? Because Proverbs twenty two seventeen says, iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, 17. And one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron, so the friends in his life are going to affect who he becomes. If all his friends are losers, warning, one leadership book I read said that you'll become the average of your five closest friends. So who does he surround himself with? Men who are going to make him stronger and encourage him and build him up and correct him when he's wrong or men who are going to drag him down? Look at his friends. That'll tell you some things. Number two, how does he handle his money? How does he handle his money? Proverbs 21 verse 20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. So this really has to do with, with this. Does he spend everything he gets or does he save money as well? Boys will spend all their money on toys. And you don't want to marry a boy. You want to marry a man of God. A man of God is wise and he denies himself instant gratification sometimes in order to save, which is the responsible thing God says. Is he willing to deny himself? Um, here's another question with his money. Is he chasing get-rich-quick schemes? That's a warning sign. Here's what Proverbs 28, 22 says. A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. If he's trying to get rich quick, it might be because he's actually lazy. 
He's too lazy to work hard. Or he's just plain foolish. Either way, he's going to end up broke and take you with him. So watch out for that. You have to work hard, and uh, you don't have to make a lot of money. But if you work hard and if you're consistent, you'll do okay. That's what the Bible teaches us. So look at how he handles his money. Does he pay his bills on time? Does he have insurance? Because if he can't manage his own household, he cannot manage a bigger household with you in it. Is he going to be able to provide for you and your family? And some guys, you know, physically, they're maybe disabled, they can't, but within his own ability, can he provide, will he provide for your family? And that doesn't mean he has to have the best job in the world, but it's a mindset that he needs to have that says, it's my responsibility to take care of my family. It's not the government's responsibility first. It's not my mom and my dad's response. I will take care of this. And it's okay if you're a dual income family, that's fine. But I admire so much, guys, who they'll do whatever it takes to provide for their family. Even if they lose a job, they'll go get a job that day. They'll go deliver pizzas or drive an Uber, whatever it takes. Like, I'm going to go work until I find something better. That's That's a quality that is admirable and respectable. So does he handle his money well? Three, uh, write this down. Does he honor authority figures? This is very insightful as you evaluate a guy. The Apostle Paul was an authority figure to Timothy, and he was giving him advice and wisdom from a position of spiritual authority. What if Timothy said, don't tell me what to do? You're not my dad. I don't have to listen to you. There are a lot of guys like this. They're full-grown men, but they act like little boys. You can't tell them when they're wrong. No one can tell them they're wrong. And I would say this. If he can't follow authority, then he should not be in authority over your family. That's a bad move. Proverbs 12, verse 1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. (laughs) Ladies, don't marry a stupid man who hates correction. And I'll be honest with you, I've met some guys like this even at church. They come to church, and they like me when I'm telling them what they want to hear, but if I tell them they're wrong, they're like, oh, don't tell me what to do. Who are you to think you can tell me what to do? Well, the Bible says that is the behavior of a foolish man. How does he respond to authority figures? If he doesn't listen to authority, how will he receive correction when he's wrong? Because eventually he will be wrong. So who's going to tell him when he's wrong if he's not willing to listen to authority? Romans 13 verse 2 says, So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. So how does he respond to his parents, to his boss? How does he talk about his pastors, the government, police officers. Those are authority figures. And you want to just look at his posture towards those people. Does he have an attitude of respect towards authority? The Bible talks about rebels and that eventually in the Bible, all rebels die. (laughs) So you don't want to marry a rebel or else you're going to be led into a position where you're going to really suffer. Watch that. How does he respond to authority? Fourth, write this down. What do your friends, parents, And pastors, think about this guy. What do they think? I would say this, ladies. Once you've gone out with a guy or you're interested in a guy, go to the people in your life who you know they love Jesus and they love you and ask them this question. Hey, so what do you think about this guy? Okay, It doesn't mean you have to marry him. You're just asking for a little bit of input. Okay, here's what Proverbs says. 15 verse 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. A lot of people's relationship plans fail because they didn't get any wise counsel. 
They just go ahead and they get married because they don't want to know what you think because they only want to know what they want to know. So here's one of the things I've noticed. This is a problem for a lot of people. Too many people, they wait till it's too late to say something about a relationship that they know is wrong. So listen, parents, don't wait till your daughter is like, this is the man I'm going to marry before you tell her if you have a problem with that guy. You need to say something a little bit earlier in the process. Listen, church, if you have friends and they're, da- they're dating someone that you know is not good for them, just go and say like, hey, I got some concerns. You know, and so we, we want to have that kind of teachable heart. We want to go to people in our lives. Hey, what do you think about this person? Do you see anything that I don't see with this guy? Because maybe my eyes have been a little bit blinded. Maybe I'm just kind of in love and I'm distracted by his amazing hair. And, you know, he says all the right things. He's so funny. But like, tell me, am I missing anything? And if your friends are like, yo, he's crazy. <laughs> then you need to, eh, warning, eject yourself out of that situation. Don't go down that road. Take caution. So ladies, when it comes to looking for a guy, when you're single, you're going to be tempted to become impatient. You're going to be tempted to start worrying. Am I ever going to find someone? Or am I going to be alone forever? This is the fear that people wrestle with. And you'll be tempted to settle for someone you know is not right for you. It is much better to be single than to settle. Just soak that in for a minute. Don't date a guy that you know is not right for you. If Jesus is not number one in his life, right? That is a major warning sign. Don't settle for a guy who's not gonna treat you the way that you should be treated as a daughter of God. Hey, men, I'm talking to the men. This is a great opportunity, this message for self-evaluation. Nobody expects you to be perfect, but you should be pursuing righteousness. Are you pursuing righteousness? I know there's some guys in the room tonight. There have been at church all day. You're like, man, this sermon though, Pastor Ryan, kicking my butt here. I didn't know it was going to be that kind of sermon. But really, this is an important opportunity for us to look at ourselves and ask, am I pursuing righteousness? The thing about marriage is it's a magnifier. It will magnify whoever you are to begin with. If you're selfish, you'll just become a more selfish person in marriage. I know some guys, they're like, oh, my wife brings out the worst in me. She makes me so mad. Your wife did not change you. She just exposes who you are. So we have to be careful. Guys, guys, I want to just encourage you. If you're if you're feeling beat up by this message, you're feeling like, man, I just stink at life and, and I'm failing. You may be right. I just got to tell you as your pastor, man. But the truth is, it doesn't have to stay that way. You can grow. You can change with God's help. You can become a man of God. And understanding that you're not living the right way is the first step to changing your ways. So that's a ble- that comes from the Holy Spirit. When you have that moment, especially as a guy, you have those moments in life sometimes where you're just like, ooh, I need to get my act together. And that's a moment that comes from God. Those are blessings, that moment right there. Um, The Apostle Paul, he said this in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. How does a child talk? Mine. I want what I want, and I want it now. How does a child reason? I should get whatever I want right this second. Nobody else matters besides me. But look what he said. When I became a man... 
I gave up childish ways. There are some men of God in our church, and then there are some men who they want to be men of God, and they need to grow up into becoming that man. They need to put away childish things, and it has nothing to do with how old you are. You could be older in years, but still not really growing into a man of God that you're supposed to be. Um, you could be old enough to use Just for Men gel, but still wearing spiritual diapers. And some of you are pooping in those diapers, like on a regular basis. I know, I've been involved in cleaning up the mess. But listen, hey, God, it's time to grow up, man. Quit the crap and grow up. And, and the church is here to support you in that. We're here to encourage you in that. And this church believes in strong men. And we invest into building strong men. And we're here to equip you for that. But if you're not there yet, it's time to get on track. It's time to start becoming the man of God you were meant to be. When you become the man of God you're meant to be, then God will bring the right person into your life. So let's be men of God. Not perfect, but pursuing righteousness. So I'm going to close with this. We all want the same thing, men and women. We all want to be loved. Every single human being who's ever lived wants to be loved. And that's what we all want. And the Bible describes what love looks like. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. All of us, we want to be loved that way. And I think once you get married, you know, your goal is to love your spouse that way. This is so important that we try to implement this in our lives. It's patience. It's kindness. Sometimes you don't want to be patient. Sometimes you don't want to be kind, but that's what love does. Love doesn't boast. Love isn't rude. Man, I, I got to be honest. Like sometimes I have to apologize to my wife because I'll have a moment and I'll be rude. I'm like, oh, baby, baby, come back. Come back. I'm sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to say it like that. Let me, let me back that up. I'm going to say that again now. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Right, and I, I see couples sometimes they're fighting, and they're like, "This is like that one time five years ago at your mother-in-law's house." You know, they, they just start fighting with each other, and it's like it's like crazy. Love doesn't keep a record of wrong. Love covers over a multitude of sins. The Bible says you don't even see the person's sins because you choose not to. You choose to focus on loving them, not on all the things they don't do right. You don't even see that dirty underwear on the ground. You just see love. That's what love is. It's always hopeful. It always endures through every circumstance. This is what real love is. This is what we all want. But we have to remember that the only person who is ever going to love us perfectly this way is Jesus. No human being can love us perfectly all the time. If you don't realize that, you'll look for a, perfect, a person to love you the way that only Jesus can, and you'll be perpetually disappointed your entire life. You will not be satisfied with your spouse. You will crush them under the weight of expectation that they could never bear. And you'll ultimately be unhappy. Once you realize that Jesus loves you this way and you allow Jesus's love to complete you and satisfy you, you can be merciful and loving and gracious and kind and patient to other people. I think it's so important when we realize that Jesus loves us this way, it takes away our need to be with someone else romantically. You might want to, but you don't need to, not in order to be complete. That means if you're single for a season, 
You can endure through that season with joy, not just surviving, but thriving. Because you're already complete. You're not half a person walking around waiting to get married. You're made complete already in Jesus. So you can live in joy. You can already start to walk out your purpose and be fulfilled and make an impact in other people's lives. And then when you start to do the right things, God will eventually lead you to the right person. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads for a moment. We're gonna pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and your truth that leads us into life. We thank you for your words, God, that give us wisdom and they help us to make important decisions like this. We know that these decisions, who we marry, are really important and they they matter to you. And that's why you decided to give us wisdom and insight into these issues. I pray for anyone who's here, God, who is single and they're wanting to find someone to be with, Lord, and Mary. I pray that you encourage that person right now. Remind them of your, your faithfulness, Lord, that you have a plan for their lives, that they can trust you, that you haven't let them down yet, you haven't given up on them yet, you have great things in store for them, and that as they trust you, you will bless them at the right time with the right person. So, Lord, we thank you in advance for that. And I pray for anyone who's worried about their kids finding the right person. God, allow them to trust you, Lord. Help them to trust you to match their kids up with the right person. They don't have to do it themselves. They can trust you to do it, God. They're in your hands. God, I pray for our church that the men of this church will become men of God, strong men who raise up strong men that we know, God, we won't be perfect. We rely on your perfection, but we want to pursue righteousness and godly living, God, for your glory. We know that your ways are better than our ways and that you'll bless us as we trust you and follow you. So I just want to take a moment to pray for anyone in this church who does not yet have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you say, I'm here. I want to experience this real love. I want to know true love and satisfaction and joy that Jesus offers. If you're ready for that, then this is a night you can take that step of faith and place your trust in Jesus to save you. The Bible says that you'll be saved when you place your faith in Jesus and confess that you believe he died on the cross for your sins and rose again. And as a church family, those of us who've already taken this step, we're praying for you right Right now, we're already um, expecting God to move in your heart and do great things. We're thanking God that he's done this in our lives already. And we're just praying that you'll experience this as well. If you need to accept Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer tonight that will help you to encounter him and begin this relationship. Just pray this prayer with me in your own heart. Just say, God, I need you. I accept Jesus as my savior. I believe that he died for my sins on the cross and I believe that he rose again so I could have eternal life. I'm gonna follow Jesus from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.